0: Uh, good morning everybody and uh, thank you for the invite daniel thank you for asking me to preach and to to share what i believe god is wanting to say to us today Um, tomorrow as we all know we've always been uh, reminded by paul is is valentine's day and valentine's day is uh, an opportunity for us to share uh, our feelings to share our love our affection uh, with those around us, those that we love. It's time for sending and receiving of cards, maybe gifts, flowers, and it's, uh, it's a nice gesture. It's a, it's a sign and an example of our love for each other. I think though today, uh, and I don't put, want to put a downer on it, but I think today it's kind of got a bit commercialized, dull, just a bit. Uh, and it's expected that we buy a card, it's expected that we, we do all these things. Uh, and I can't help but think that that's a, a, a corporate uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, thing for profits for these big, uh, big companies. So the expression of our love is directed to those who we already love, though, isn't it, on Valentine's Day? It's people that we already love. It's a nice thing for us to do is this how Jesus loved? Just think about that for a minute. Is that how Jesus showed us to love? And the Gospels are full of examples of how we can love. Jesus taught us by illustration, the parables, stories that make us think, stories with a purpose, with a reason. The prodigal, prodigal son comes to mind when we think about love, doesn't it? The the amazing love of the father for his son, the son that he thought was lost, was found again. The incredible love shown by the father, unconditional love. He had this huge compassion. And thinking about compassion, compassion is, is, is linked with love, of course. But compassion compared to love is mentioned very, very infrequently in the New Testament. There are hundreds and hundreds more occasions where Jesus and uh, his disciples and Paul talk about love in the New Testament. I want us to take a look this morning at two examples from the life of Jesus that will transform the way we love. Transform the way we love. We're in a series now called Reach, and today's uh, title for the sermon is Love, Love like Jesus. Now, I believe that at the heart of Jesus' love is forgiveness. I'll say that again. At the heart of Jesus' love, as we read in the Gospels, is forgiveness. And you know, I believe that forgiveness is the key that releases us to love like Jesus. Gives us that freedom to love like Jesus. If we look at uh, the gospel, we look at Matthew uh, chapter 6 and verses 14 and 15. I've got this from the NIV, but it's going to be slightly different on the screen. For when you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Unless we ourselves show that forgiving spirit, we can't expect to be forgiven. It's an ethos. It's, a, it's a, an attitude that we need to change in our souls. The Amplified Bible has a, expands on that, Amplified. And it says in there, If you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your Father will not forgive your sins. Kind of expands on it, doesn't it? It deepens it. Talks about uh, it almost festering if we don't forgive others. And forgiveness is at the center of our faith, it releases us, as I said, to love like Jesus. Sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes it's hard to read this in the Bible. It challenges us. And I just want to share you a, a story that Greg Rochelle shared uh, about his sister. Many, Some of you may have heard the story, but uh, bear with me. Uh, Greg Rochelle, who's a, a pastor and preacher in the States, uh, comes from quite a large family. And his younger sister had uh, experienced abuse by her schoolteacher. Eventually the family found out and Greg's natural reaction was he wanted to hurt this guy because it had been serious abuse. He he let that almost fester like we were talking about earlier. He let it grow inside him and it got to the point where he really wanted to hurt this guy because of what he'd done to his little sister. He heard these verses preached from Matthew, and it challenged him to forgive this man. Wow. Extremely hard, as you can imagine. But eventually, he was challenged by that, and eventually, over a series of of weeks and months, he did start to pray, maybe through gritted teeth, but he started to pray for this guy. Gradually, over even more months, his prayers became easier, and eventually, he wrote him a letter to forgive him. Now, that was extremely difficult for him. and By this time, the teacher was terminally ill, in a hospice, suffering with, uh, obviously, a terminal illness. So the letter, you know, unfortunately, he couldn't read. He was blinded by this disease as well. And Greg Rochelle finds this out much later on through a series of encounters. He meets the nurse. Who was with this guy when he, uh, he wrote the letter? And she was the one who read the letter to him. And at the end of this letter, he had written the sinner's prayer. He, he said in the letter, Look, I, I do forgive you. What you did was, was awful and was bad and affected us and has ser- severely affected my family and my, my sister. But I forgive you. My family forgives you. And then he wrote the sinner's prayer. And the nurse said to Greg, she read that to him. And he responded and he had tears in his eyes as he responded to this sinner's prayer. That forgiveness set Greg free. He says he felt the burden lifted. He no longer carried the hurt and the pain because God had equipped him and enabled him to forgive. He was released to love. He was no longer burdened with that desire of revenge and retribution. So in order to love like Jesus, we need to forgive like Jesus. But how? Let's look at Luke 6 and verse 28, uh, or 27 and 28. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies... Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. Wow. Tough verses, these. Hard verses for us to understand. Jesus gave what, in the day, was radical thinking. This is, is radical thinking now. It was radical thinking then. In the, the times of, uh, of Jesus with the Romans uh, occupying the land of Palestine, uh, we are to bless and to pray for those who hurt us. It was not part of that culture. The culture that the, the Hebrews had been taught over many, many generations was an eye for an eye. That's what they, they understood. There was consequences. There was retribution. There was payback for someone who wronged you. It was ingrained in their culture. Now Jesus is turning this thinking on its head, saying, no, you forgive. Paying back hurt for hurt, curse for curse, leads to a downward spiral, as Greg uh, experienced, and allows attitudes of revenge and hate to fester and sometimes to consume us. We don't want that to happen. And Jesus challenges us to break that mold, that mold of natural thinking of this culture, of our own culture, and turn hurt into a blessing. He wants us to change our attitudes. We change our attitude, our actions will reflect our new attitude. If our attitude is always to get revenge, then our actions are going to reflect that. Jesus tells us that if our attitude is right, then our actions will be right. We need to forgive, and this is when we read this passage. Jesus is is, is telling us: is "This is what you do. This is like a command. It's not a request. Jesus is saying: This is what you do. You bless those who hurt you. It's not something you do when you feel like it. This is to be your new way of life, your new culture, and it can be extremely hard, as we saw." Jesus was challenging the way that people thought and he's challenging us today through his word with the way that we think our culture really isn't that much different is it we want to get back someone cuts you up at the roundabout you want to get back you know hey well i do So Jesus was challenging the way people thought. He's challenging the way that we think. Paul tells us in Romans, doesn't he, in t- Romans um, 12, that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need a new way of thinking. We need a new attitude. We need to be transformed. We need to change. We change our attitude. Our actions are going to follow. you ever prayed for a person that wronged you? who hurt you, who attacked you, who abused you. It's radical, and it's a challenge for most of us. I just want to, uh, one thing that uh, Greg did mention after he, he shared this story with his sister. He said, and this is, is really, really powerful, there's no guarantees that praying for someone will change them. So even when we pray for them, even when we bless them, there's no guarantees that they're going to change. But you know what? It will always change you. It will change your attitude and it will lead you on to the right attitude. It will open the door to God's forgiveness and healing. You'll be transformed. Your mindset will change. Your attitude will change change in order to love like Jesus second point now we need to serve like Jesus so we need to forgive like Jesus hard, tough and this is even tougher I think it can be we need to serve like Jesus and I just want to read you a very short story here This is from Judah Smith, who's a pastor of another church in in the States. This is when he was a youth pastor, and uh, he shared this uh, in his his book, Living Love Like Jesus. Thomas S. Stewart injured one of his eyes with a knife. A specialist doctor decided that it should be removed to save the other eye. When the operation was over, and Thomas had recovered from the anesthetic, he discovered that the the surgeon had blundered with the surgery and he'd removed the good eye, making him totally blind. Despite the tragedy, he decided to pursue his law studies at um, McGill University in Montreal, Canada. Thomas was able to do this with the help of his brother, William Stewart, who read to him and accompanied him through all the different phases of his college life. Thomas, the blind brother, came out as head of his class, and William came second. I don't know how quite that would work, but William practically made himself a serving medium for his blind brother. Sometimes the call on us to serve requires commitment, it requires sacrifice as we obey God's call to serve. Sometimes we say, well, I can't do that. That's, that's beyond me. I, can't, I, can't, I just can't do that. And sometimes when we have the attitude, the action can be affected, like we said earlier. Actions are a result of our attitude. Praise God that when then William Stewart, he didn't say that. He helped his brother. And through his service, his brother got a degree, and so did he. I'm not sure if he was trying to get a degree as well. We don't know that from the story. But he ended up getting a degree as well because of the way he helped his brother. So I just wanted to tell you that story as an illustration of uh, service and how it can cost us to serve. Let's just read one more uh, passage from John 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 uh, 13 uh, beginning at verse 1. It was just before Passover feast Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave his world and to go to the father having loved his own who were in the world he now showed them the full extent of his love and then on to verse 4 so he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. That line in verse 1, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He served. How are we to love like Jesus? We're to serve. Jesus served. That was the full extent of his love, was to serve his disciples. Jesus proceeds to wash the disciples' feet. And I know uh, we've heard this before, the culture and the life that people lived there in, in, in that time, in that hot country. Uh, their feet could become extremely unpleasant and very dirty and smelly, I'm sure. So this was it's kind of added. This was the Son of God. This was the Lamb of God. This was Jesus washing the feet, serving his disciples. This was a job that was normally done by the servant or the slave even in the house. It wasn't done by the host. The host might invite you and say, can I wash your feet? But he wouldn't do it. It would be the lowest in the house's job to clean, wash, and dry feet. Here Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, the Lamb of God, took a bowl of water and a towel and washed his disciples' feet. He demonstrates the servant nature and shows us how he wants us to serve with humility, love, and sacrifice. This is a message for all of us, not just the disciples. We're all called to serve. I just want to share with you another story from uh, this book. When I was 15 years old, I rededicated my life to Christ. God radically touched me and changed me. My mom and I lived in a two-bedroom apartment just north of Seattle. Both my sisters had moved out of the house. They were both living on their own before even graduated from high school. It was just me, my mom, me and my mom. I can't say that things were always easy or that my mom and I saw eye to eye on everything. In fact, we didn't really see eye to eye on anything. This was primarily because I had decided to follow Jesus and my mom had not. She had spent earlier years in the church, but now, due to some mishaps by both her and the church, she wasn't too into it. So when I started going to church youth group and other church events, it made things even harder between us. Whenever church stuff or anything that concerned God came up, she was always very negative and would yell and curse. This was hard for me. I felt alone. I wanted to leave home like both my sisters. However, one thing kept me at home. I wanted my mom to get right with the Lord. I wanted to be the one to help her to do it. When everything in me wanted to leave, I stayed. It was not easy at all. I had to give up all my selfish attitudes and my rebellion in my heart. I was forced to cling to God. Tear-filled prayers of anguish for my mom were not out of the ordinary. There was nothing else to do. There was nowhere else to go. I wanted my mom to live for God. After completing high school, I stayed in Seattle area and attended school at the Bible college. I regularly saw my mom on certain nights for dinner, movie, for a date night. I bought her flowers. I wanted to show her the love of God and not just tell her about it. At certain opportunities and moments, I said little bits about God to her. And some, Sometimes she helped me with my studies at school. Through this process, I continued to invite my mum to church, but she always refused. One night, she saw my church on TV. She said that she happened to be up and saw it, and she liked it. What? My mum saw my church and liked it? This was a mighty move of God. The same person who hated church was now someone somewhat positive about it. For me, this was a miracle, but the greatest one was in in the making. My mum finally attended a service at the church Easter 2002. That Sunday, she raised her hand for prayer. She responded to the altar call in front of thousands of people. That Sunday, she rededicated her life to God. That Sunday, I saw my prayers answered. On the way back to the car, my mum mentioned that her rededication to God was sometime in the making. I really wasn't too surprised at this because for five years I had prayed for, fasted for, loved my mum to God. Now, after five years, I saw the fruit of my commitment. Attitude, actions. This was another way in which we can love like Jesus by serving those around us. Indeed, it's our attitude in being transformed by the Holy Spirit, working in our lives so our actions change and become reflections of that transformed attitude. Perhaps our human and natural reaction to stooping down to wash dirty feet is no way. I can't do that. That's someone else's job. I know I react that way often. But you know, as followers of Christ, this is our job. It doesn't have to be a big deal. We can serve exactly where we are. Pray that God will work in your lives and change your attitude. As you're being transformed, so you notice, as we allow ourselves to be transformed by God, we notice more and more opportunities to serve. This is a reaction to that change in attitude. This isn't coincidence. This is a result of that change of attitude. A few years ago, there was a guy in my church who was of similar age to me and whose wife was terminally ill. And as soon as I heard this, in my heart, I knew I had to do something. You know, sometimes you hear things and it affects you. It touches your heart. It pricks your spirit. React to that sometimes. You know, sometimes out of the blue, someone comes into your head That might be the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm sure it's the Holy Spirit telling you to pray for that person. React to that. Do something about it. Don't just dismiss it. So I knew I had to do something. I didn't know exactly what, but I needed to do something. I didn't know the guy. I was fairly new in the church, uh, and I had to admit I struggled. I struggled. I tried to find excuses why I shouldn't. You know, I'm new in the church. I don't know anybody you really say that, God? I'm not really sure I actually heard that properly. I don't think it was really real. Oh, maybe you didn't say that. Uh, maybe I'm imagining it. But I knew in my heart, I knew. A week or so later, I was in the church, and uh, again, and following the service, I, I plucked up the courage to say hello to him. I told him that if he'd like to go out, uh, get out of the house anytime, go for coffee or for a meal, I would like that. He appreciated the conversations uh, the conversation, and a few days later we met for coffee. And after that, we continued to meet for coffee or for a meal, both prior to and following his wife's death. We're now 10 years on, and we still meet regularly for a chat and for a meal. And recently, he said to me how much he valued our friendship and how it was unique because of the timing, because of when it started. I didn't know his history. I didn't know his wife. I really didn't. I didn't know their relationship. I wasn't aware of anything that happened before her diagnosis. And this this helped him. This was like a fresh person. And for him that was really, really important. So I wonder how many times we've put off that opportunity when we've been pricked, when our heart has leaped and We've responded to something someone has said or we've seen something or that person has come into mind. How many times have we missed out on an opportunity to serve, to help someone? Look around you. Who can you serve? Where can you serve? What can you do? Many of you know I just recently retired, early retirement. And uh, I had a lovely, wonderful career flying airplanes around the world. Great time. I really enjoyed it. The last 10 years, I worked for a, a very large logistics company, DHL, and fly, flew boxes around the world. Much easier than passengers. <laughs> and, you know, DHL have, uh, is a massive company, huge company. invest a lot of money in uh, their staff. Uh, it was quite a shock to me how much they they do invest in the people who work for them, and they drum into you mantras, and you actually have to sign uh, declarations uh, for the for the way that you're going to work. And one of the ones uh, that I signed had to sign up to was this. I'll read you as it as it said it in there. We get a little passport that's stamped in, and we can uh, every various courses we go on, we get the stamps in, and this is. Uh, the text that's at the bottom of the first page of the passport. In everything I do, I aim to help us delight our customers, working with speed and passion, a can-do attitude, and doing whatever it takes to get things right first time. Wow. Imagine if every employee everywhere did that. I mean, it's a great thing to, to want. But you know, in everyday life, It's much easier to work with someone who's got a can-do attitude rather than a can't-do attitude. And if you have a can-do attitude, you will see doors open. You will see opportunities. You will see that you can have action for your change of attitude. If we want to love like Jesus, we should have that can-do attitude that Jesus had when he washed the disciples' feet. I can do that.